Hey, got a joke for you. All right, lay it on me. Why were the clams on the reef so far apart? Uh, I don't know. They were seashell distancing. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Very topical. Uh, since we started this show during the great social distancing period of your life. So, well done. Uh, I'm impressed. Clams are also the topic for today's episode of... Big, Big If, if True. True, where I, Maggie, and I, Abby, investigate the truth about big things. Before we get to the show, though, could we ask you for a quick favor? We're trying to get 500 downloads of this episode, but we can't do it unless you tell your friends. So if you have friends in your class at school, or your parents have friends with kids your age, why not tell them that you learn a lot from the show and they should listen to it? We love to listen to podcasts on Maggie's lunch break or while we're getting the table ready for dinner. That's a great time to listen to Big If True. Thanks for helping us out. Okay, back to our topic. A big clam. A giant clam, to be exact. So here's our quiz question to test your knowledge. Giant clams are, well, giant. So they don't have a lot of natural predators. What type of animal is most likely to eat a giant clam? A. A great white shark, B, a sea turtle, C, a human, or D, a giant grouper. We'll tell you the answer later in the show. Our guest today got started in her giant clam studies in an unusual way. I am Allison Sweeney. I'm a professor of both physics and ecology and evolutionary biology at Yale University, and um, I'm really interested in studying the really cool physics of animals and, and how those physical properties of animals evolved over time. Hi, Allison. Thanks for talking to us. How did you get interested in giant clams? I was always interested in cool animals and in the ocean and in questions about how the physical properties of the world, like light and water flow and smells, uh, shape animals in the way that they evolve. Um, and so I've, I've, that's sort of the big picture question of what I work on. And then specifically giant clams, I actually started out interested in squids and squid camouflage and all the really cool things that squids can do to hide themselves. And uh, one of the things that squids do to hide themselves is they make these really special sort of mirror-like cells called eridocytes, and they actually use mirrors in their skin to hide themselves. And giant clams have really similar mirror-like cells, but they don't swim. They don't attract mates. They're not trying to hide. They just sit there. And so I was really curious why on earth um, a giant clam would have sort of a mirror cell like a squid would. Um, and uh, the answer ended up being really exciting and, and not at all what I expected when I first started looking at it. Ooh, a mystery. I can't wait to hear what's so special about these mirror cells. But first, there are clams on our local stream that I can pick up and dig out. How are the clams in our stream different from giant clams? They're a lot more similar than you think. So they're, they're actually pretty similar to each other. And it's sort of like comparing, um, you know, a mouse to a rat to a gerbil. Uh, you know, all three of those animals have the same parts. And if you know the parts of a mouse, uh, you pretty much know the parts of a gerbil. And, you know, they behave in pretty similar-ish ways. And so both the clam in your stream and the giant clam in the Pacific Ocean that I study. They're both bivalves, which means they have two shells instead of one shell. 
they have gills, they have little openings called siphons that they pump water through and they live in part by filtering particles. So basically just dirt and bacteria out of the water for their food to eat. So if you opened up a clam in your stream and a giant clam, it would actually have exactly the same parts and uh, the differences between them are actually relatively subtle. But there are some differences, like where giant clams live. They can get up to a meter in length, which is a, a big animal. There aren't too many occasions when we in our everyday life see animals that are a meter long and almost a meter wide. Um, so they're very, they're very impressive uh, and very big in person. Those are the biggest ones, the far more common ones. They only get about as big as like a, a softball, but there's one species of giant clam that can be uh, a meter long. They live in really clear water in the Pacific Ocean. So they live on coral reefs. So they live sort of in tropical latitudes on coral reefs, but only in the Pacific Ocean. They don't live on coral reefs in the Atlantic Ocean. Someday I would love to go snorkeling in the Pacific Ocean and see some giant clams. Maybe I'll do it while I'm working on my next book project. Can you take me with you? Sure, why not? Why do giant clams get so much bigger than the little clams in the river? They both filter particles out of the water, so they, they have this big pump inside of them and they pull water through their two openings and they are able to filter out dirt and bacteria in the water and, and that is very nutritious for them and they eat that. The difference is that the giant clam has actually uh, learned how to sort of eat light. So the giant clam is a, a farmer in that it grows plant cells uh, in essence inside its body um, and that's not something that a clam in your stream would be able to do and they actually farm those plant cells they grow they actually grow the little cells in rows almost like corn or soybeans and they eat the sugar produced by solar energy inside of these these plant cells which is one of the things that makes them so cool and so that's one of the reasons that the giant clam gets giant is that it has this extra sort of um, vegetable food source uh, inside of it One of the things we learned from reading about your work is that giant clams kind of glow. What makes them glow? So that glow, it sort of depends on what you mean by the word glow. Some animals do produce their own light, and that is typically like a, like a firefly. So fireflies glow. And giant clams definitely have cool optical properties that you could call sort of glowy, but it's a little different than a firefly making its own light. So giant clams don't make their own light. They reflect the light from the sun, but the, the reason that we see them as so sort of beautiful and glowing is because, so I mentioned they have almost like, you know, soybeans or corn sort of growing in their skin, but the obviously uh, clam skin is a uh, much less thick than a soybean field, for example. So they actually have to come up with a pretty clever way to make sure that sunlight gets all the way through that layer of plant cells that they're getting food out of. And so the way they do that is they use these mirror-like cells called eridocytes to take the sunlight and basically push it down into the clam skin and make sure that all the plant cells in there get sort of a happy, healthy dose of sunlight. So they, they really are actually very good farmers. That is so cool. So that's sort of what those glowy mirror cells are, are actually for. But because 
they have such a special and particular interaction with light to make sure that, you know, all of the, the farm is doing well. And they end up having sort of a structured, fancy reflection as well. And so that like little bit of accidental reflection that we see as a beautiful colored glow is actually sort of a byproduct of the fact that they're trying to be farmers. What an amazing animal. What lessons can we learn about light or farming from these giant clams? They ended up teaching us a pretty elegant but straightforward way to do really efficient photosynthesis. So photosynthesis is the science word for plant cells making sugar from sunlight. It has come up with this really clever way to use every last bit of the sunlight in its environment, which is not something that we knew how to do before we studied giant clams. And so we both learned that it's possible for uh, natural systems to use all of the sunlight really efficiently to, to make sugar or do photosynthesis. And we also discovered how you would do it. And the secret is in these special little uh, glowy mirror cells that we just talked about. So it was pretty cool to learn both that being really efficient at using sunlight was possible and how you would do it if you wanted to copy it. I think it's really just satisfying and cool to solve one of these natural puzzles. Before we started working on it, nobody knew why giant clams glowed. And it was a lot of hard work, but it was just really satisfying to work really hard on a puzzle and then figure it out. And now there's new information in the world that wasn't there before we worked on it. And um, I find that kind of work just really, really fun along the way and really satisfying when uh, we think we finally figured out the puzzle. Wow. So are giant clams under threat from anything? Are they at risk? So the biggest risk to clams right now is just being eaten. People really like to eat clams. There are many places in the world where there used to be a lot of clams and now there are none or only a few. Um, The good news is, you know, there's still enough that if people stopped overfishing them, then uh, they would be able to recover. So they're not, they're not extinct or that close to extinction yet, but it would be good for people to stop eating them. And then another sort of bad thing that happens with clams is there's illegal aquarium trade. So people pay a lot of money to be able to put a giant clam in their aquarium. And so they can be illegally shipped around that way. Hey, there's the answer to our quiz question. The animal most likely to eat a giant clam is... A human! But giant clams are also under threat, like everything in the ocean, from another human problem, climate change. If coral reefs go away, which is possible with climate change, uh, giant clams are going to go away also. And so anything that kids can do to let their um, government know that they know about climate change and they think it's really important and that we think they think we should have policies to help mitigate climate change will help, you know, all animals and all coral reefs, you know, giant clams included. We'll have some links in our show notes to organizations like Oceana and Sea Legacy, which are specifically dedicated to the preservation of the oceans and other climate change organizations, where you can advocate for cleaner and healthier oceans. Allison, thank you so much for talking to us about clams. There are more complicated creatures than I thought. So now, listeners, it's your turn to create something cool about clams. This week, why not do a little more research on coral reefs and the oceans where giant clams live and draw some artwork or write a poem that advocates for the health of the oceans. 
If you draw or write something and send it to us, we'll send it along to the elected officials and organizations who need to know that kids care about a healthy ocean. You can send it through our show notes on our website, bigiftrue.abbymullen.org, or you can ask your adult to post it on Instagram or Facebook and tag us. All the info about our social media accounts is on our website. And that's our show for this week. Join us next time when we continue to investigate things that are big if true. Special thanks to Allison Sweeney for being our guest this week. If you want to read more about her work, you can check out our show notes. Our theme and episode music are, as always, by Andrew Cody. Thanks for listening and tell your friends.